Live from Stonehenge, this is the 100th episode of Austin Danger Podcast. Still, somehow, two years later, the only randomly curated Austin Powers podcast on the internet. I'm Kevin. As always, I'm joined by super producer extraordinaire Mackenzie Wilkes. Hello. Mackenzie, I don't know about you, but the pace of producing Austin Danger Podcast over the last 100 weeks uh, hits me like a dull throb. Every week, it's time to come back. Like an like an like a flexed, exercised bicep, my making ADP muscle is never stronger than it is right now. Look at you! I mean, I, I thought you were making a joke about how we come in on Wednesdays, like arguably when our energy is starting to tank through our work week, and we're like, "Let's do a podcast." I guess maybe if I project strength, it'll come true. Is what I'm basically saying oh, about I, tonight's mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this is a massive show. First of all, Austin Danger Podcast 100. Yeah. The epitome of that Paul Rudd meme of like, who would have thought? <laughs> Not me. Uh, Not that me. we'd be doing this after two years. Yeah. So so those things, we have a guest who's being very patient, but also cl- is just, I, I admire the restraint from our guest and we'll introduce him in just a moment. <laughs> um, but we're also talking about Rob Reiner's debut. This is Spinal Tap. Meathead made a movie. Before we introduce our guest and get into the rest of the show, I just quickly just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, We love you and appreciate you. And uh, you are Austin Nation, a mighty land of of (laughs) deeply, deeply unserious people. And we love you all. I like to imagine that Austin Nation is just always hanging out in the Electric Pussycat Swingers Club. And we're all just vibing together. With that fake Andy Warhol. (laughs) Oh my God. The woman, the woman laying, the woman who's laying out. Yeah. Tag yourself in Austin Nash. I'm the woman laying on the ground naked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Already the show is off the rails. So (laughs) thank you so much. We love it. 2024 is huge. The Austin's nominations will drop February 1st. As a reminder, that's a week and a half from today. So that's exciting. Mackenzie, anything to add about Austin 100? The Stainies coming up. Stop calling them the Stainies. I'm not. It makes me think of a shit stain on underwear when you say the Stainies. Like it's the worst name ever. What better way this to celebrate institu- Austin Powers? <laughs> no, this is an institution of honor, of honor. We are honoring films, and they're not shit stains, Kev. <laughs> Can the award be like a bronze shit stained pair like underwear that they that you hand it's, to the winner? It's, you know, if anyone no, it's would a gold like that. mug. It's a gold mug, and on the mug in white tape reads oh, "Fat yeah, yeah, Bastard yeah. Stool Sample." The stainies. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Oh my fucking god, <laughs> Mackenzie. I mean, you know, we say it a lot. We're very thankful for the this crazy world we've built. Yes. So this episode is special for all those things. And then on top of that, we have a guest. Um, In, I want to get the timeline right on this. In late 2019, this man had already been a journeyman, highly experienced podcaster. When after years of pressuring his friends to join Letterboxd, he created a podcast with two of them called 70 Millimeter. Yada, 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 Austin Danger Podcast. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> 70 millimeter spawned the VHS village community through which Mackenzie and I met and became friends and started this show. So uh, as much as it pains me to say without this man, there is no Austin danger podcast. So who better to join us now from the 70 millimeter podcast. And of course the Svengali of the letterbox show family of podcasts. It's our old pal slim. Welcome to Austin danger podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I still haven't recovered from you referring to yourself as a dull throb <laughs> earlier in the show. That was that's something that will stay with me until the end of my days. And I'm very happy to have experienced. Well, the reason I the say show. that is like your big mantra, which stuck with me a lot while we were getting the show going, is that most podcasts last about seven or eight episodes. Because mm-hmm. there is a that's cliff. True. I've been thinking a lot about this. There is a cliff to where this show, like doing a podcast like this becomes routine. I, I guess my I my first question for you is like, do you even think about it anymore? Or is it just, does it take time to adjust your schedule to like doing a podcast? How do you get in that mode? How do I get my game, my podcast <laughs> yeah. game face on, so to speak? Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned, like I, I, I've been podcasting for so long. Like 2007 is when I first started mm-hmm. podcasting. And I remember like having to figure out how to use a mixer, a Behringer mixer, and how to do like Skype calls on that thing and get it so that we could talk to people on Skype yeah. using a mixer. And I remember having to like go to like eBay <laughs> Japan purchasing for like audio components to like allow this thing to happen. It was like so early on. So honestly, I almost like don't even think about it too much, like to get ready to like sit down and podcast. And I think that's what ends up killing or ending a lot of podcasts is like they think it's like, well, they don't think they know it's fun to like sit down and chat about movies and stuff. But then you like start to it becomes a little too routine. And that's why that like statistic of like podcast ending after seven episodes, they're like, oh, you know what? I could be doing something else. Maybe this isn't for me. And that's like, honestly, what happens to most shows, which is why it's like so incredible that your show has lasted 100 episodes. Like, I mean, honestly, how many people do any of us know that has started a podcast and it hasn't lasted more than seven episodes? Like, we don't have to name names, but we know probably like over the years, it's happened a lot. It's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of work to sit down and prep. And if it's not something that like you're, you're creatively enthused by, then it's just not going to happen. Like with 70 millimeter, we, we, we do it every week. There's well, every week there's a new episode out. And then the, like one of the reasons why we took off December was I wasn't like we were burnt out or was getting routine, but like one of us said, like we were, we like DM'd each other to see like how that episode went the next day. And one of us was talking to their spouse about how it was like, oh, it just felt like we were saying the kind of same old stuff. And she was like, well, why don't you take a break? And then it wasn't like we're stressed about it. We're like, okay, yeah. It's almost like a pre-burnout break. So we took like a month off just to kind of see, you know, how that felt or whatever. And we'll probably end up doing that every year um, in December, which I highly advise other podcasts to do to take breaks. And all that to say is, I don't know, it's almost like a part of me now to like sit down and jump into like a conversation or an interview. Whereas other people, this isn't like to trump myself up, but like other people can get like really anxious in front of or like before an interview or a conversation. But it's almost like I've done it so often that I can kind of social butterfly my way through a conversation 
And I guess I've done, I can do that in like real life because honestly, working in customer service for so many years has built that kind of, you know, repertoire for me for better or worse. Like I can kind of talk my way through anything. Sure. <laughs> that sounds like it could be like a bad trait, but it lends itself very well to to an audio podcasting no format. I, think. And I mean, when you guys came back with that Nyad episode for number 200, like, <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> you had announced Parasite, Bong Joon-ho's incredible, groundbreaking 2019 film Parasite. But then you said, no, you said Nyad. Not only did you say Nyad only, but I think Danny on air had to talk you down from doing Nyad every week. Nyad pod. Yeah, I remember that. It was it was very stressful time. I had to look up the movie Nyad the first time you mentioned it on the show. I had no idea what the F you were talking about. It's like, what is this an abbreviation for? And I was it's not even it wasn't even close. You don't know what about I was the, you know, Annette Benning she might sneak in a fifth slot at the Oscars for Nyad. This this is this is one of the many reasons why uh weekend watch list fans you heard like Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> to the people of Alderaan. You just heard them all shout out and were silenced. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. They're, wow. they're vociferous, the weekend watch list fans. And I get it. You know, we'll see what the future I brings. Probably not more weekend watch list. Damn. I don't know yet. We'll see. We're working on something. We're, I mean, more... we're working on something. We're working on something. We want to try something different. Like, weekend watch list was so much fun. Like, Mia. My, myself and Mitchell hosted it for the Letterbox show. But honestly, like, Mitchell and Mia are so busy. Like, they do so many things at Letterbox for editing, writing, you name it, like red carpets. Um, so we took the break, and then we're like, what, what do we want to do that's, like, different? And what can we, like... Like, in my opinion, I don't think in, in audio, we don't engage the Letterbox community that much. Mm. The way that, like... A 70 millimeter does or or like best picture so i want to like do something that might might engage the letterbox community in that way in like a bigger way than we can watch list and maybe it'll succeed maybe it'll fail i don't know yet we'll see well i mean maybe that's even an interesting transition kev not to usurp your hosting uh right at the moment but you know i think another part of probably why you're so comfortable with podcasting is because you have been able to kind of transition and genuinely make it your life i mean did you ever see yourself podcast? I mean, I know you do more for Letterboxd other than podcasting, but did you ever see yourself kind of podcasting as a full-time job and like making this genuinely your life and the thing you do, not only artistically, but also just to live? Right. I, I'm like a weird use case because for the past like 12 or 13 years, I've worked at places that I have wanted to work at. And I know that like most people aren't fortunate enough to do that. So like when I when I was, uh, I mean, if I could work at a video store for my entire life, I would have. But unfortunately, it doesn't pay very well. But like when I got older, I worked in like IT, so still like kind of support space. But then I saw this company that was doing like digital comics in a way that I thought was going to be like the future of comic books, and that was Comicsology. Rest in peace. Um, so I remember going to cons with my friends and like chasing down the C the CEO of the company and be like, Hey, like you guys are still pretty young. Keep me in mind. If you guys are ever hiring for like support, I can do podcasts, you know, for the company. And over time that eventually worked. Like he hired me, I was able to build up my own team and we did like podcasting for the company, but then, uh, you know, other parts of my time was split in other things. So, and that lasted for. I think a decade plus 
at Comixology and then eventually became Amazon. And over time, you know, I got kind of bored. I wasn't as like creatively or intellectually excited to go to work. Um, things changed over time as it does with any job, but I was able to still like prod another company that I really liked. And that was Letterboxd. Like Letterboxd, I have so much fun using Letterboxd. This could be like really big in the future. This is a company that I'd want to work for because I use the app and I like the kind of vibe of the company. And I did the same thing. I bugged Matt Buchanan over emails. Like, hey, you guys hiring? What are you, what are you guys doing over there? And they like Letterboxd never has like public job hiring postings. Like anyone that we've hired probably in the last year and a half minus one has been like through kind of word of mouth or like people that we know personally in real life that can kind of trust to do the job. And I did the same thing. And honestly, like podcasting is like my way of creatively expressing myself. And I've been fortunate enough to kind of parlay that into a professional space as well as personal. Like I do the work stuff, which I still find fun and exciting, but then also the like personal stuff. And like that all started with like paper keg with the comic book podcast with my friends. Um, we eventually created our own kind of like smaller Slack community of like, and this was like proto not like the person product, but like <laughs> pre-Discord communities. Mm -hmm. So we made like a Slack community of like, hey, if you're listening to the show and want to hang out and talk comics during the day, like join our Slack. <laughs> like that's a, a silly thing to say now. But we got like 15 or so people that were listeners of the show and we didn't have a huge audience, but we had like a, an audience that was almost like what, what you can see in the VHS Village for 70MM. And those 15 people became lifelong friends. Like I vacation with those guys. I, I talk to them in a Discord now every day. And then I was, you know, we're able to kind of replicate that for 70 millimeter. I remember we were talking, like the Discord community that has come from the podcast is is pretty large. I'm, there's a lot of people that are just kind of quiet lurkers. But I remember when Mixtape had launched, you guys had launched, we had told each other or we're like talking about it. And we're like, man, what a great time to launch a podcast. Like, honestly, because we have like such an insular community and then mm -hmm. everyone kind of knows each other. And you then, in theory, you have just like 100 plus, 200 plus friends that are be like really like excited to hear that you launch something. Mm -hmm. Like that's like the ideal jumping off point to make anything, really. So I was like, this is going to be great for them. Like they're this is like hit the ground running. This is like the perfect time to make something like that and you can see it the proof is in the pudding for sure i think some people starting also just inspired other people to start so i really think it was just a domino effect of now the amount of just yeah. satellite mm -hmm. podcasts that exist in the coming together was also very on brand for us but like 8 p.m on sunday we were on the dnd call joking about avatar 10 p.m it became austin powers <laughs> then monday afternoon mckenzie had art <laughs> We had the name that night. Mackenzie had art. Then on Tuesday, I got a DM. Here's some theme songs. What do you think? And then Thursday, we recorded the trailer. And again, like two years later, here we are. It was. It felt like it was a game of chicken of like, who's going to say this is just a bit first? And neither one of us did. And now we've just been doing it for two years. I maintain it's because our first podcast spin, chicken. it is podcast chicken, but our first show, our first spin was cabaret, cabaret, which was really strong and really in our wheelhouse. If it had been anything else, mm -hmm. I feel like 
If it had been nobody knows anything. The random, the random part of it is like we could get into some big trouble. Like when we got chairman of the board, I was like, oh no. Well, I knew it was going to be great because that movie sucks. But like having to watch. (laughs) So after two, so you, so you've been podcasting together for two years. Both of you have podcasted before, but like, what's your biggest takeaway or something that you didn't expect or surprise? from doing what has essentially been a weekly show for two years. I don't think I have either of you done like a, a recurring weekly for, for that long. I know Kev, you had um, another show that you apologize for almost somewhat weekly in the feed. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that often. It wasn't that often. <laughs> I, I think the thing that is most surprising to me isn't a surprise, which is that sometimes things that are wonderful just happen totally by accident. Um, the the level of the the variable it could drive you crazy thinking about it when we did magnolia i was thinking about it because that's very much the theme of magnolia is what are the odds right one of the many themes is chance it's like that i would see an instagram ad for zack snyder's justice league on instagram being covered by a podcast see danny haas's art listen to the show love the show here you guys are doing speed racer join the community then the odds of mckenzie looking for a movie podcast, finding you guys joining the community and then being on the show and then us bonding over Sunset Boulevard and some other stuff. And then what are the odds that there would be a D&D group and that the D&D group would have us in it and that would be joking that way on that night and then that would come together like that. What are the odds that Jared and I did Austin Powers in November on Ammonite, which is the seed that became this podcast? The chance, like, mm. if I've learned anything, it's that you can't... Um. Number one, you, you miss all the shots you don't take. But two, like, what are the odds? Sometimes things just happen at random. Who could have guessed all these things? Who could have guessed that on Friday afternoon you posted a video where you, in silent, in the background, watched Martin Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio, and then you dutifully cleaned up his audio? <laughs> like, how does that even happen? What, well, I know how that happened, but like, yeah. what are the odds of these things? You know, you never really know. And mm-hmm. that's the big thing is like, this whole podcast has been a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I did have other podcasts that fell apart for various reasons, um, and I don't know. This one always has just felt so different. I think because like, like there's no ego between Kevin and I. Like we have no ego. Like there's just no ego at all in this podcast. Like we just like we do this because we have a good time, and we both are uh, equally, I think. Uh, self-deprecating but like deeply love each other like it's weird to think that when we first started this podcast i barely knew you um so i was talking to you just now kev like slim's not even here it's past it's that past live scene but we're speaking in a different language and slim is just uh john magaro on the side can't wait to see that yeah. photoshop um, slim no, past but- lives was a movie put out by a24 this spring with <laughs> i don't know yes, if you've heard um- of it uh, Greta um, Lee is the lead. She's wonderful. Oh my gosh! No, but but like just like, making sure you know. Now I feel like I literally know every <laughs> single thing about Kevin. He knows every single thing about me, and it's just I just feel like you can hear our friendship just like grow over the episodes. And I don't know. I think it's just a level of commitment we have to each other because a lot of my other podcasts have fallen apart because people didn't the other people in the podcast just didn't want to make the time to do it. Like I'm like, hey, I'm here to show up every whatever day. I'll be there, and the other half mm-hmm. or other portions just wouldn't because people are busy and not people are not everybody wants to do this you know but I don't know I think that Vitz Kevin I is just like we both want to do it and we both like make this time every single week for each other and I think that that consistency has been yeah surprising and like it's just kind of like I don't even think about it anymore it's just like I know my Wednesdays are with Kev and that's just 
Rachel knows that everyone who knows me knows this is my Wednesday night. And it just, I don't know. It's not even a question anymore. I think we just have a dedication to each other that I didn't think we, I just, I just never anticipated, I guess. I, this I've, is almost like a Stainies acceptance speech. You, know, <laughs> yes. you two up front Stainies. accepting like a, a surprise honorary Stainie <laughs> on stage. <laughs> All right. So every time we have a new guest on, we like to ask them the same question. Slim, what is your history with the Austin Powers trilogy? I love Austin Powers. I I think I've said this before elsewhere but my one of my first dvds i bought two dvds when i first got my first dvd player and one of them was austin powers uh the other one was contact i just googled to see like what was the first release is this right 1997 97 that's right like may is i'm mom may 97 wow okay um yeah austin powers i mean it was like a revelation when that came out i guess you could probably say that like that was my spinal tap Really, like when Austin, when I saw Austin Powers, that kind of humor, oh my God, I was all in. And I didn't even have like a backstory on really James Bond. So even like some of the jokes, I think you were talking about this when you're discussing Shrek 2, that like so many of those jokes were like, don't make any sense unless you're like in the know and how to, how is this funny to anyone unless you're kind of like in on the joke. But for whatever reason, when I saw Austin Powers, I thought it was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And there's obviously like, you don't really need to know the James Bond stuff to have fun with it. But yeah, it was, it, it changed my life. I think I probably put that in a review at some point when I watched Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I remember in our discord, I posted a photo of like a selfie of me in high school. And it's just like Austin making just like that face with his teeth hanging out. Oh my God. Iconic. I lo- and I love Mike Myers too. There was like a period of time where Mike Myers was like one of my favorite dudes. Um, and then the second one came out. I remember liking it. And then the third one came out. I did not like it. And then it was over. The dream, the dream died <laughs> after that. But Austin Powers is that was definitely a big time, uh, big part of my youth for sure. Have you have you ever seen the Love Guru? No. Don't. No. Don't watch it. I refuse to watch it. <laughs> it's time to return to the year 1984. Who's in the White House? A lying war criminal. But what else is new? Ronald Reagan lied to Congress about Cointel. It's time to talk about Rob Reiner's debut film. This is Spinal Tap. At long last, we've done best in show. We've done a mighty wind. We've done winning for Guffman. Now it's time to return to where it all began. Kev, bring us in. The year is 1982, years after they fell into the Where Are They Now file, the heavy metal Brit rock band Spinal Tap looks to make a comeback by touring the United States in support of their new album, Smell the Glove. Joined by longtime fan and documentarian Martha Divergy, a fan from the old days in the East Village, the band faces disaster after disaster. See, Spinal Tap is nowhere near as popular as they thought. The venues are canceling shows, hotel rooms are being rebooked, hotel rooms are booked incorrectly. And, and worst of all, 
um, the label won't sell Smell the Glove as is, and in fact has gone behind the band's backs to release a static black cover, which when Metallica did it eight years later was cool, so I, I don't know what they're getting at. Anyway, the last straw is Stonehenge. They want to build a giant... <laughs> the concept is they're doing a fantasy glam rock show themed around Stonehenge, and so they will build a giant, like, 20-foot Stonehenge. Unfortunately, Nigel, uh, the one of the lead guitarists and singers, wrote inches instead of feet on the bar napkin, and so as a result, now Stonehenge is about yay high. For audio listeners, it's not hot. To say. <laughs> the band implodes and all seems lost until their their hit single Sex Farm charts in Japan inexplicably. Together the band reunites once and for all. They may not be big here, but they're huge in Japan. This is Spinal Tap. So, I have never seen Spinal Tap. It's the big famous thing about oh, the pick. Wow. I've never seen The Adams Family. I've never seen Spinal Tap. Have I ever seen a movie? I love Chris Guest. And Idiot. I'm, I know. I know. <laughs> With a podcast, no less. But I have been a fan of Chris Guest forever. I also haven't seen Chris Guest's other movies. And I, I think it's because especially with movies like these where it's a legend and it's tied to other things I like, I'm just really afraid of it being bad. Like mm-hmm. last last summer we had Brandon, our buddy Brandon from who we met thanks to you also for Terminator 2. And that franchise is very similar where I know it's never going to be as good. And I'm afraid that this will taint that. Um, mm. which, which may be the case for the other Chris Guest movies, but this is Spinal Tap. What was I thinking? This is one of the great movies of all time. So I don't know. Yeah. So that's my background. Uh, Kenzo? Uh, according to my letterbox, I watched it in 2021 for the very first time. And I don't think I knew known much about it. I think I watched it and best in show in the same day. And they were my first time watching both films and both time watching these group of people. And I think only because I get this feeling still when I see these scenes, especially of them, like in that garden, just like being interviewed about the various drummers who died. Um, I think I did not know this was a, this is fake i think i thought this was a real thing because they feel so natural on screen in a way that and like i had i hadn't really seen michael mckean or christopher guest in other films so i think when i started this i thought i just assumed these were real people and so it's kind of very funny thinking about in hindsight how i obviously have gone on to watch more films with them and uh love them and know that they are very hilarious comedians but returning to this now after years of not seeing it and and loving and rewatching the kind of other Christopher Guest oeuvre films more. It is wild to me how realistic this one feels like it has, it's a mockumentary like the others, but it's, it's less, I don't know, aware of what it's doing. Like I feel like best in show, it has a lot of, you know, direct to camera address. Like these people are being documented and they're more aware of it, but like it is so wild how this film feels so organic in a weird way that like, I don't know. It's fun that the trick still works, I guess now years later after seeing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watched for the first time a few years ago and loved it. I I also like forget that this isn't, you know, like a Christopher Guest directed mm-hmm. movie, because I think in my head they all just like lump together like a Christopher Guest mockumentary thing. It's in that like gallery. I think the first one that I'd seen was probably Waiting for Guffman of his work, and 
eventually I probably had a, like a VHS of this is Spinal Tap. And I probably didn't see Spinal Tap. I saw it when I was younger, but I think probably like Kev, but the Simpsons was probably my first Spinal Tap introduction because they appeared on an episode in, in the 90s. I mean, as with most things, I think I've been I've been introduced through The Simpsons by osmosis, like all the homages to movies. I've seen it on The Simpsons, and then I saw it later in the movie. I'm like, oh, that's what it's from. Um, and so when Spinal Tap was like in an episode, I was like, did they just kill a real band like in the show? Like, how can they do that? Don't they? Aren't they real? Like, it's like them killing Aerosmith in the show. And then I eventually saw the, the mockumentary and, and you're right. It feels so real. And I was on the wiki today. It's kind of like lost on me and maybe most of us, but it was like a mockumentary on musician documentaries that had come out years previous. Like they were, they were pillaring those and like how the band reacted to being on camera and like the interviews. So I have never seen any of that mm -hmm. stuff, but it just feels so real and funny, even not having seen any of those, like, I guess, low quality documentaries where it just kind of like pumps up the band and none of it really, you know, makes them look good, so to speak. But yeah, this this was the first time I'd rewatched it in a while. And it's, it's it holds up so well. It's like the way they did it, like, I guess, with like all improv, no, like barely anything written. It does. It just feels like so real in a very strange way. Because you can almost see them like crack up a few times in that like garden interview. Yes. Like my favorite all time scene is when he's uh, Marty. He's reading like the reviews, um, and then it's the it's the shit salad review, <laughs> and they're like, "You can't print that. Like that's, that's not, not real. real, is it?" And like they're just like chuckling at that, and it's so fun to see them like grin in the moment and like have fun and stuff it's so endearing to see them like enjoying what they're doing on screen and just get like a little bit of a break in the character and i guess longer form on cinema is very similar in that way too that i've discovered as an adult but back then like yeah there was something special in this is final tap so i guess maybe even kev like i feel like probably a lot of this maybe gave you on cinema vibes, at least in some respect with like Tim Heidecker and, and his kind of oeuvre of, uh, of creations. Oh yeah. I mean the, the on cinema, for those of you who don't know and, and God bless you. If you love <laughs> our show, awesome danger pod, you have to check out on cinema. It's a show, uh, Tim Heidecker and the comedian, Greg Turkington, who sometimes is known as Neil Hamburger. Um, it, it starts off the first couple of seasons that they review movies, but has expanded into this. Like if I, even to describe what goes on on the show this week would take about 15 minutes of like, okay, mm -hmm. so the energy vampire from what we do in the shadows does Groucho Marx impressions <laughs> on the Oscar special five years ago. <laughs> and then he goes into a coma. You know what I mean? Like there's so a much lore and yeah. density. And that is the link I think is the world. Like they've really built out these and it's, it's kind of where this is where I wanted to start. So I'm happy we're starting here. I think the thing is, is that the depth of this world feels like there has been 10 seasons of something else, right? Mm -hmm. Like it feels like there have been movies about the Brit, the British invasion psychedelic phase or the Greenwich village coffee house days of spinal tap, whatever that looked like. Um, 
which guest kept through his other stuff, right? Like we maybe didn't respond so great to a mighty wind because that movie comes off a little mean these days, but a mighty wind also had very dense worlds. And this is the link, like the, the songs build that so much for me. Um, mm. So I did see a lot of kinship in the on cinema of it, not just in the, in the world and the lore, but like in the having fun of building a ridiculous character about something that you presumably love. Um, I don't think Tim Heidecker is any love for, for what we're doing right here. Uh, <laughs> Tim calls. Maybe, but, um, maybe, maybe privately. God, the mayor. Imagine? <laughs> uh, call, call me. <laughs> well, bridesmaids, he's the jump scare husband in he bridesmaids. Is, yes. Spoiler alert. Mm hmm. That's something. Mm -hmm. He was also in that shitty um, spin me around movie, but he was very good in it. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. I remember they were like, I was following him on Instagram and he was like posting photos of them having like, you know, very nice dinners by the water and like what looked like, you know, villas. (laughs) And they're like, you know, all these celebs. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear about this movie. And then it just gets like crapped on when it comes out. It's like not any good. Um, No, well, you mentioned the music. I think that to me, like, I think a reason why they feel so believable is because yes, obviously they're saying very goofy stuff throughout the whole film. I mean, I think of the the whole bread to salami exchange is very funny. Like the, the ratio of bread and, mm. but like the music, I actually, think the music is good. Like it's goofy, obviously, but like, that is also kind of what these bands sound like. I say as someone who like, really enjoys hair band music and i listen to a lot of classic rock i mean obviously the whole stonehenge thing is very like led zeppelin pastiche and i love led zeppelin like i understand not that led zeppelin was like the only people making songs about lord of the rings but you know um that kind of weirdness um i like this music and so it's very funny that like i they sell the music i don't know it just sounds really good like i did write the lyric my baby fits me like a flush tuxedo i'd like to sink her with my pink torpedo which is the worst thing i've ever had just banging around in my ear holes but like that's kind of what these songs sound like like you listen to a scorpion song and they're kind of saying the same thing so it's like i don't know i think it kind of the music feels realistic even in its humor that like i think that's why you kind of can lose yourself and just really think these are real people Mm -hmm. yeah they're very they're very talented there's a lot of kiss like oh i forgot to say tonight Mm -hmm. i'm gonna rock you tonight is in guitar hero 2 which was like my other bit besides the Simpsons, my other big spinal tap moment was oh. like, Hey, this song is actually like, yeah, it's silly. And I guess they're doing a joke. Cause I didn't really know that much about it, but um, it's a great kiss pastiche. Yeah. The, the songs are like that. The fact that they're like musicians or like they can write a song, it comes over so well. Like even when they're in the restaurant and they're thinking yes. back to like the first song they ever wrote together as kids, like, I remember hearing this song, I'm like, this song is good. Like, this is a good song. <laughs> and it has, like, no right to be that good, I guess, in, like, a mockumentary from 1984 that's sending up hair bands or, you know, rock bands of that era. But it's really good. And, like, damn, this could be, like, a pretty popular song, what they're singing right now. And even, like, the working on the, like, I love the cut when it just cuts to him yelling, working on a sex farm in, in like, that, <laughs> you know, that auditorium. Um but yeah, the songs are so good. Like even the goofy ones, like I can tap my foot too and just chuckle to myself. And that's like, that's so hard to do. Like you can see the talent like everywhere in this movie that like these dudes are so talented and so funny at improv. It's like they're on another level, really. 
the way he plays like not exactly remembering the lyrics like as an actor it's so confusing to me how well he plays like trying to remember the song like i I don't know like even the perform mckean is kind of the Mm -hmm. the fave for me here like again i say this all the time i don't know why i feel like the need to remind people i'm gay but like not attracted to men in any way McKean is hot in this movie in a way that is like really confusing to me. I think he's like genuinely really attractive and he looks so good with this hair that like I don't think every man can pull off that ba- that like what curtain banged kind of situation. But he looks so good. He's like sinks really, really well. Like he's a hot rock star in a way that is like genuinely confounding to my brain. And I, he kind of runs away with the movie for me. <laughs> And that scene of him remembering is just a great scene of him. I also love the, those close-ups of like their crotches too, and like the tight like <laughs> leather like white pants they're all wearing. And I also love them like describing about their act. I can't remember. I think it was Rob Reiner was asking them about their act. He's like, "Yeah, it's very sexual." You know, they're like <laughs> he was talking about like the their members in their pants. Like, oh my god, it's such a funny scene. <laughs> What's wrong with being sexyist? Sexist. <laughs> <laughs> right and he's also describing like the smell the glove cover or like the original cover (laughs) i think it was ian nigel he's like and and he's extending the glove at an original vision it wasn't the glove mate it was just like so gross them describing like what the actual object was and smell the glove I love, I love too. The other artist made it him, made him like the other side of it, and they were like, "Well, why can't, why can't we do all cover?" Oh, right. Well, because he's he's the victim in that. Right. Oh, you flip it and you change it. Yeah, I mean that's the uh, iconic. Yeah. It's such a fine line between stupid and clever. Which, if that's not the ADP tagline, I don't know what is. That's right. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a great line. How about um. Billy Crystal and David Spade. David Spade. Well, David, not David Spade. Um, Dana Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey and Billy Crystal as like the the ser- the servers. I didn't Did you catch that. I, I caught Billy Crystal. But I didn't catch in like the the mime. I saw the mime I makeup. Saw I think that's Crystal. who Billy Crystal was talking to, wasn't he? I didn't catch Dana Carvey. Was either David Spade or Dana? I Carvey. think it I is Dana Carvey. So that is so like wild. I'm wrong. Yes, it is absolutely Dana Carvey. That's crazy. Another Austin Powers ish link. Yeah, I did not even we wow, master disguise up win. <laughs> a movie. Obvious I was master of disguise homage. When I was this is Final Tap. Obsessed with. <laughs> the only thing I'm obsessed with is the <laughs> cause it's that, but it cracks me up every time when it's the George Bush 9-11 when Master he's Disguise in the... meme where it's like Both. instead of it's it's George, you know how George Bush's head was turned getting the news, but it's the master of disguise Dana Carvey head. It's like the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but it cracks me up every well, time. There's the <laughs> the Aragorn helmet thing for everybody who laughs about 9-11 is the master of disguise urban legend, which I think is gonna be half oh, our yeah, show. I forgot when we about do the it. urban legend. I did notice that was Dana Carvey, but I did clock I did clock uh, Billy Crystal because I, I can't think of that actor's name, but he plays Sal and When Harry Met Sally. I was like, wow, he's kind of workshopping the When Harry Met Sally cast because like right after Billy Crystal, it's the guy that plays oh, his best friend yeah. as the cab driver. Uh, I feel like I should know that guy's name, but I don't. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, a lot of When Harry Met Sally. Fran, Fran shows up as Bobby Fleckman. For, I forgot she yeah, was in Yeah, can this. we talk yeah. about this future Austin Danger podcast legend Fran Drescher <laughs> making her debut? Proving the voice is a put-on. 
How incredible was that? I mean, well, I want to say, since I don't know if either one of you are nanny aficionados, but Rachel and I semi-recently, like two years ago, did a full watch of the series. And Bobby Fleckman shows up in the nanny. So canonically, the nanny and This Is Spinal Tap take place in the same universe because Bobby is like Fran's cousin or like something like that. And she visits and Fran plays both Fran the nanny and Bobby Fleckman in the nanny episode, which is great. They do a ye old parent trap filming style. You see Slim, uh, Bobby Fluckman has history with Mr. Sheffield and it makes Fran very nervous. Oh, yes, 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 yes. um, It's one of those episodes. If you don't think I watched every episode of The Nanny at 6 p.m. on Fox 5 every night, (laughs) wake up. I have it on DVD. That syndication fast. Yeah. That was on all the time. So I love her. She's great. I, I guess no love for UHF on The Nanny. Okay. That's fine, but we'll be a legendary episode when we get to it. Paul Schaefer. Did you spot Paul Schaefer from uh, David Letterman? Where was where was he? At He's a, Artie Fufkin. Did I forget. Oh my god, idiot! Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> Artie introducing himself like thirty times. I couldn't place him in this viewing. I was like, who is this guy? Why am I not connecting who it is? Oh my god! I thought that was so weird because he had already been the band leader on the Late Show for a couple years at this point, or it was just starting ish. I guess when they filmed it. So very funny to see him at this mm-hmm. point in time while we're calling out Angelica people, Houston, Bruno Kirby is the limo driver, Angelica Houston. Oh, wow. Yeah. Angelica showing up. She looks great. I mean, Hey, else. love Angelica. Angelica call us. Angelica. <laughs> I'm available. Could you, if she's amend- not going to be a legend either too. Well, between all the Wes Anderson's Morticia Adams, like she's a legend. This was the first time that you've seen, uh, Kev, the, these go to 11 in its full form outside of probably just like memes. I've seen, I mean, I've seen the clip. I know the bit I've seen it done to death. That's the problem with a lot of this stuff is like a lot of this big legacy stuff was funny in the movie. And obviously in the context of just the movie, you could take it. It's really funny, but like Mm -hmm. I I get afraid because I feel like I've seen it already. That's one of the reasons why I put this off is because like, what if I've seen it already? which right. nothing can pre- nothing can prepare you for sex form. <laughs> so maybe that's on me. <laughs> and then and when they get introduced or like welcomed to the show and he's like, you're spinal tarp. Yeah. We're big fans of your music, <laughs> rock and roll, not your music specifically, but just rock and roll generally. It's the <laughs> right, only right. thing IMDB has ever done. That's good is add the max rating for spinal tap to be 11. Is that the, I think like that's the one good thing IMDb has oh my God, I ever done. Yeah. And the other thing IMDb did was build the collaborator search that is the backbone of the wheel and the backbone of our entire show. That's true. How about when the uh, drummer explodes to wrap the movie? <laughs> Just you <laughs> don't think they're going to show you it happening. He explodes right. on stage, and doesn't he get replaced like instantly? Doesn't doesn't another, the other guy just like walk yes. on and take his spot? Like, right after? I don't think I noticed him actually exploding because I looked down and looked up, and it was just a different guy. Like I didn't even notice. Like it was so smooth, <laughs> I didn't even notice. I also I feel like we're kind of popcorny because it's yeah, the- like that's just the nature of the movie. I also love the shenanigans that happen on stage, like the him getting down and then not being able to get back up and a guy having to kind of come and like try to flip him like a pancake to get him on his legs or like them not being able to find the stage is maybe my favorite. Like them just walking through the hallways, walk and roll and then not finding where the stage is. Like the shenanigans are so deeply funny in this movie. 
Yeah. I, I remember I used to just yell out rock and roll when walking down like hallways. <laughs> and, and I don't even think anyone really even knew. I probably don't even remember why I did it. But on this rewatch, I'm like, oh my God, I love this scene. Rock, rock and it's roll. It's just so funny because when they when they go back to the guy they asked directions for, he's like, we took a wrong turn. Like, and that man's just in a hallway like trying to do his job. It's great. The on cinema vibes are really strong and stuff like the picking up the guy on stage and the Stonehenge. Specifically, the Stonehenge has a lot of the grand finale vibe. Yeah. On cinema, they will do elaborate big grand things. Like it was kind of like Tim coming down as Pinocchio last year to me. It's so hard to like for people that don't watch on cinema, they probably just like, I don't don't care. I don't watch Tim and Eric. I'm not going to watch it. It's like it's probably the the most elaborate comedic running series that i've ever seen like it's it's my number one favorite so if people that are listening to this like spinal tap like you would really enjoy on cinema and it's probably just really hard to get into because if you have to like youtube search on cinema season one and like the guy one of the guys that works for them now has made a website that's just like the on cinema timeline so you can kind of just like go through and see like okay what do i have to watch next what is when is the live oscar special um but it's so worth it. Like, imagine this is like imagine Spinal Tap having like eight seasons of ten minute episodes. Like, that's what you could get with on cinema, and it's like movie focused. Um, but yeah, like them walking around the the building, um, even going back to some of the beginning stuff. There's just like these weird one off lines that I just cannot believe are like improv when they're talking about the the bizarre. They're talking about the random deaths of the band members, and the one guy dies from like a bizarre gardening accident, and then the one guy like chokes on vomit. They can't dust own. for vomit. And then someone <laughs> says, "You can't dust for vomit." Like, how did that not just totally break the room when he says that line, like at all? And it's this classic, very hushed tone too that gets mastered later in the guest films of like just basic conversation, like this is what we mm-hmm. do. Like that and the Errol Morris of that is like perfect. I need Marty's hat. I need them to. I need some bootleg version of Marty's Marty's hat <laughs> to wear. I love him. There was a part like in the beginning where he was walking. I just noted that like he was like you know walking through this set introducing the film, and there was a part where Rob Reiner went to like he went to cross his arms and then kind of like didn't do it. Like yes. he like started it and didn't commit, and then put his arms really slowly down in a weird angle. And I was like, why did they keep this take? Like where Rob clearly like stopped committing to an arm cross halfway through the cross and then looked like an idiot. I was just shocked that they kept that take in the movie. Yeah, that was perfect. Had no so idea what perfect. to do with his hands. I mean, credit credit to, to Rob Reiner for, I mean, what a filmography, too, for Rob Reiner. Good Lord. Yeah, you and I, I mean, are mind-melded. I'm looking at it, too. Stand By Me, When Harry Met Sally, Princess Bride of Misery are the most popular ones on Letterboxd, but A Few Good Men? What? My God. The American President? I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, I mean, there's some other stuff on here. The bucket list. I remember when the bucket list wow, came out. Yeah, that was really big. That was one of those things, really like, big. like could a movie that's about that have that impact ever again? Jack mm. and Morgan that strong at that time. 
Right. Truly, the the run of just like Stand by Me, Princess Bride, Harry, Sally, and Misery is just like a wild, just four movies in a row is crazy. When we do mm-hmm. North on this show, oh, let me say something about North. <laughs> let me say a, a minute about oh North. My God, we did love Guru, and I said this is the death of comedy. Will we ever laugh again? North is a <laughs> North is up there with Son of the Mask and some other movies. Where it's an Evan Almighty and Lion King 2019, where it's like, is cinema just dead? Will we ever see? Will we ever watch a movie again? I don't know anything about this movie. I don't know what that you're talking about. Roger Ebert hated it so much that it became the basis for an entire book of bad reviews. Oh my gosh! He hated, hate, hate, hated it. Gonna have to watch. Rumor has it. 1992, The Return of Spinal Tap. I have never I seen this. this. I think I'm, yeah, I'm aware so of it. I've never seen it. I had no idea about any of this. I knew that they're doing a sequel now, which will happen. They're filming what? it. Presumably. Are you kidding me? So filming is starting in weeks. Oh my God. Like they're okay. going to, they're going to shoot it next God. month. Yeah. Did not know about that. It's, it has Rob Reiner listed as a director and it has everyone. So I don't know, man. I'm, do some poking around on YouTube. Maybe yeah, this is I'm a curious where to watch it because it doesn't say later. there's anywhere available. Jamie Lee Curtis is in The Return of Spinal Tap, Kev. Oh my God. Well, now I have to watch it. Wait, she's... Oh Remember? my God. I'm mousing over some videos on YouTube and it looks pretty great. <laughs> Sorry, I recently got into a website called rarefilm.com and apparently this is on Rare Film, I think. So... What is rarefilm.com? I, it's just what rare film, film spelled with two M's. And I think it just, they they try, they try are, quote, the cave of forgotten films. So things that don't have release, like standard releases or that are kind of lost to time. Rachel oh. and I recently watched uh, Fires in the Mirror, which is a brilliant actress, Anna DeVere Smith. It's her one woman show that was like screened on PBS and never released. And they had it on there. Uh, there's someone oh. on Litterboxd who keeps a list of films available on rare film. And I've been using that list to kind of find what else is on there um yeah it's a cool it's a cool little site and they have the return of spinal tap uh which is wild wow like a total vhs rip wow i love it. madam in manhattan 1981 waylon flowers and his infamous madam who describes herself as an alcoholic sex fiend are escorts on an unforgettable often risque tour of the big apple what is that Oh, this is awesome. This is Waylon Flowers and Madam. Are you kidding me? You don't know this? No, I do not. This is, while you were out making friends as a child, I was learning about Madam and <laughs> the Muppets and shit. Anyway, all this to say. The, the, the whatchamacallit, uh, I just went into the, like, 15 minutes into the Return of Spinal Tap, and they have the, like, devil head in it. And I wonder, like, this came out the same year as that Simpsons episode, so I'm now starting to piece together that maybe that was just like a promotional push for spinal tap for this. Oh, maybe. I think they came out with a record. They made an album called break like the wind. Do you get it? And, uh, I guess to promote it, they did, they did this tape and they did the Simpsons and yeah, here we go. Spinal Mm. tap reunion. This is a 90 minute long TV special. Wow. This is a, it looks like it's primarily concert. Yeah. It looks like a concert with like vignettes in between. 
I like that we're doing this on the ground research reporting for our listeners. Look, this is the stuff people want to hear. All the about. Spinal Tap fans are furious right now that we didn't, we weren't aware of the return of Spinal Tap already. They've been around for years. Talk about the Folksmen. <laughs> when are you going to talk about how the Folksmen would open for Spinal Tap as a joke? Yes, I didn't know about that. <laughs> was responding to a DM that I sent with the, with the greatest wig of this VHS screen grab. <laughs> he looks horrific. I mean, it's one he of the worst photos of all time. That. <laughs> he looks so bad. Like, <laughs> it looks like oh half a pound God. of spaghetti. The downgrade of the century. Good lord. <laughs> we need to print this out and put it in a picture frame and like leave it on your in your house for you to find five years from now. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god. Coordinate with Rachel. <laughs> god, yeah, that's that's like the downgrade of the century cuz like what? Like this is how he looks in the other movie. Like good luck. <laughs> yeah, that is very different. It's like a Halloween adventure version of Spinal oh Tap. Oh my god. <laughs> so like, oh, uh, let's bring this home. Because we popped home. a ton of corn, sun is the sun just gave up. It's not going to rise again. It's just given up. Um, are you guys like interested or excited in more of this now? More Spinal Tap? Yeah. Does uh, oh my god. <laughs> um, does the like? I think the I think the idea of seeing what they're like now, like aged, you know, because I think people are equally curious for like a documentary on probably like the Rolling Stones or something. Yeah. Like today. Like, I feel like that would be like something like this. That's the play. Absolutely. Like, let's, let's check in with them now after all these years. Like, what are they up to? And like having them prepare for like, you know, the Fleetwood Mac live concert from, you know, the nine or the two thousands. Like it would be something like that. Like bring them back one final time. That, that sounds pretty fun. to get like everyone back together. Yeah, I feel like the the play has to be a kind of riff on Rolling Stones because like I can't eat, like they are the only band I can think of that is like geriatric, and I love the Rolling Stones, but they are like I'm sometimes like, why are you still touring? Uh, even though I mm-hmm. like your music quite a lot, like I feel like that's the only band I think that really makes sense because I was even thinking about how like some of the old songs right in their previous iterations they show here are very Beatles coded right, and to me it seems like Spinal Tap is almost a a uh, question of like, what if the Beatles hadn't broken up? Like, would they have started making music like this come, you know, seventies, eighties. And so, mm. yeah, I feel like the Rolling Stones are really the only band they can really model Spinal Tap off of it in terms of how, how they would age into being old geriatric rock stars. There yeah. are a handful of things I would love to see. I think Rolling Stones is the model. And I think we're all pretty much dead on, on that, but also like, like Tommy Lee went up in a roller coaster every night on that stupid Motley Crue tour for like two years. And the night they filmed it, it broke. Now I think that's just God saying that we need more spinal tap and it needs to have that in it. I want to see this thing fly off the, the track. I want to see it. Like I want to see the drummer die via launch from a roller coaster on stage. I think out of the budget of a spinal tap too, but it's fun to dream. Yeah. Yeah, they have to die. They have to die some kind of crazy death <laughs> in this documentary, I feel like. Make make yeah. the Simpsons storyline real somehow. You know, I think it's that special time where we give our final thoughts. 
if the last hour plus of unabashed praise for this is Spinal Tap and not told you enough, why don't I let our guest kick it off? Slim, what are your final thoughts and a star rating for this is Spinal Tap? I'm just so fascinated really by anyone like Kev that watches this today mm-hmm. to to see like what kind of impact it would have. Um, that's not to say you wouldn't be like a positive impact, but I still had a lot of fun rewatching this for the first time in several years. It still is fantastic. It also feels like the like the blueprint for a lot of mockumentary style things. Um, so I think I'm probably at four stars for this is Spinal Tap. Um, still amazing, a lot of fun, and I always keep forgetting that it's not Christopher Guest directing this thing. Kenzo. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much in the same place. Like, I, I, I think it's just so funny. It's so undeniably great. The music is awesome. Uh, shout out to Memphis, my hometown. I love movies that take place in my hometown. Uh, the Graceland scene is very funny. Just shout out to that. Oh my God, <laughs> the trying to sing Heartbreak Hotel yeah. at Elvis's grave. Yes. Uh, yes, I grew Geek. up near near Graceland, so I only went once growing up. Uh, my 18 years living in Memphis, but, um, yeah, no, it's really great. I think that like, I've always, and I think I'm with you. I I always give it four stars and a big fat heart only because it, I don't know if it will ever surpass best in show. I think if I'm comparing them all together, best in show is my baby. It's my favorite and nothing can surpass that for me. So yeah, it's just below that. I think it's still great. I think what's set up here makes all the other ones even better. So, uh, yeah, four stars, a big fat heart. Love this movie. Yeah, I think, you know, to kind of touch on Slim's point with me, it's often really difficult to see the perfect version of something and then go back to the bedrock of it and see how it began, right? Like, to come back to On Cinema, it is always tough for me to go back to those first two years because they were just starting out and didn't know what shape it would take and you get kind of impatient. Um but I, this luckily mostly held up. It helps that it's funny. It helps that I've really grown an appreciation for Kiss over the last two years. I want to give a shout out to one of Slim and I's favorite podcasts, Bat and Spider, for covering the movie Kiss meets Phantom of the Park and uh, Dale <laughs> and Chuck's general love of Kiss. Um, and Quote unquote, maybe sometimes ironic. Uh, I listened to Paul Stanley's entire audiobook thanks to them. <laughs> So thanks for that. Oh it was God. quite an experience. I, you know, I loved Gene Simmons family <laughs> jewels when I was in high school. <laughs> but then all of that really informs how great it is, how great the pastiche is and how perfect they got it. Um, so I'm actually going to give this the infamous Kev four and a half star <gasps> with a heart. Um, oh. This is a hilarious all timer and a classic, but it's just setting the stage for just, but just setting the stage for what's to come. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we very quickly do our little show? Let's do our little show. I love gold. It may not surprise you that this is Spinal Tap kind of flew under the radar at first. All of the awards that I'm seeing given to this film are like um, DVD exclusive awards in 2001 <laughs> for the Criterion version of this film, which this is Spinal Tap is in the Criterion collection. Hashtag Criterion Connection win. Well-deserved. In 2002, it joined the National Film Registry, and it just got added to the Online Film and Television Association Hall of Fame, which I've never heard of, but I'm sure it's great. Thankfully, short version of I Love Gold this week, and we're moving on now to the Alan Parsons Project. This is the segment where we tie our movie of the week into Austin Powers. 
two links this week in the sound department. Philip Rogers will one day give us deep impact and face off. <laughs> I thought we wow. did face off already. I have to be completely honest, but I think somebody did it twice. <laughs> I've never seen face off. So. I know the gift, the face. Oh, oh. it's so good. Oh, oh, it's so good. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, and our other connection, of course, is the one the one cast member we haven't really talked about. Ed Bagley Jr. is in it, too. But we didn't talk about Fred Willard, who makes his kind of debut here uh, coming off of Fernwood Tonight and kind of the second city scene. One of the funniest men in the world without even trying. I just this guy mm. already. He has it so early. I was shocked by Fred Willard. <laughs> I love you guys. Not not you specifically, but the whole genre of of rock and roll. <laughs> there you are over there we have four yous over there they're all very short no one panic everyone keep your britches on but a lot of people wrote us in to congratulate us on our 100th episode so i'm going to share some of those those kind thoughts because uh, they keep us going from our dear friend brandon of t2 fame says kevin mckenzie congrats on 100 episodes of austin danger podcast like tv shows some pods can take a few episodes to find their stride and get into a groove i never felt that with adp your chemistry friendship and passion felt fully formed immediately and has kept all of us on pins and needles excited for every spin of the wheel the birdcage weekend at bernie's armageddon and of course serial mom were some of my favorite movies discussed in 2023 mm. As you crest towards our weekend at Bernie's, well, I tore that movie apart. As you crest towards podcasting superstardom in the next 100 episodes, I thought some stage words from our good friend John Waters might keep your feet on the ground and maintain some perspective. Quote, being rich is not about how much money you have or how many homes you own. It's the freedom to buy any book you want without looking at the price and wondering if you can afford it. Keep that in mind when ADP money is building your next volcano lair. Love you both and can't wait to see where the show goes in 2024 and beyond. Your friend, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. Wow. Who's going to give us a million dollars for this podcast? Uh, Lauren. <laughs> What's the next <laughs> Arnold movie we're doing? What's the next Arnold movie we're doing? Kindergarten Cop. We got to do it. Uh, Lauren says, Hey, Austin Danger folks. I just wanted to send a yeah, baby, yeah, for reaching 100 episodes. I find your apps often surprising, but always enlightening. The way you explain your reactions and summations of the movie off this wheel is just thrilling to listen to. Love the laughs, introspection, and heart forward approach, even with stinkers. Looking forward to what this year brings to many more. Yours in listenership, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Wow. Thank you, Lauren. The love is real. We're keeping it going with Sean, a.k.a. Silly. Kev, McKenzie, Silly here. Congratulations on 100 wonderful episodes. Mondays are finally something I look forward to. Oh, whoopsie doopsie. Um, sorry, 70 millimeter found dead in a ditch. Uh, Mondays oh, are finally look, something to look forward to. ADP is a perfect blend of thoughtful and unhinged, yes, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks so much for being here every week, being wacky joy to my earbuds my favorite fact about spinal tap is the hat rob reiner wears and the princess bride is hanging on the wall in fred savage's bedroom love you both here's to 100 more silly has graced both of our shows with amazing song parodies and he also yes. has contributed a yes. lot to escape hatch he runs their screenings over there and uh he's just a really valuable member another great valuable member of this community along with, with brandon and lauren so thank you all and thank you yes. thank you silly for the haunting in venice uh haunting in venice too, i chickened out 
I chickened out of doing the Walking <laughs> in Memphis parody, and Silly was there to catch me when I fell. So thank you, Silly. And then one final uh, email from Kat in the 11th hour. Truly, they sent this at 7.30 p.m. right when we started uh, and says, OMG, I was going to write this whole thing about how proud I am of you guys, but I only have two minutes now till you record. I feel bad because we fully took like two hours to get here, but uh, you got it in. Uh, Kat continues, another time, I guess, for my big long ramble, but in short, proud of you too. Big love to the Austin Dangerhead community, Kat. Thank you, Kat. Thanks, bud. Dear, dear uh, friend of the show. Austin Nash. Austin Nash. Thank you so much for writing in. And as always, if you want to write in, you can write us about 100th episode, the next 100 episodes, whatever you would like to. Austin Danger Podcast at gmail.com. Our doors are open to you always. Mackenzie plugged emails, which I think means it's time for the wheel to come out. Slim is, I can't believe, very rare we get guests in on the wheel. Usually we keep it, you know, pretty exclusive. So this is a big moment. Under lock and key. Yeah, I'm waiting to get kicked out of this uh, call (laughs) so that it can happen or something. This is very strange. So I've landed on a franchise it's a later film in a Uh-oh. franchise. And as everyone knows, the hallowed, holy Austin Danger podcast rules is if you land on a film in a franchise, we don't do that film unless we, we, we go to the next film in the franchise because we want to watch in order. So the film I rolled on, we're actually not going to watch because we're going to go back to where we are in that current franchise. It's James so I'm Bond. actually curious if I read the tagline on letterboxd if either one of you can guess which franchise sequel this is the tagline is this time it's war (laughs) what the fuck is that first word win and the second word in the synopsis is ripley's Oh, it's it's a renewal. So you mean to tell me that we are returning to King Cameron next week with a movie whose freshly digitally scrubbed 4K version is now available. (laughs) I will say the edges have been sand clean off of this film now. (laughs) Allegedly. 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 I'm gonna rent from these from these videos. Tell us. Uh, well, I landed. Tell on, us what it is. Really, I landed on Prometheus, <laughs> um, which we are a not doing because <laughs> we are gonna watch. Instead, we're going in order. We as we always do, and so we will be going to the next film in the Alien mm. franchise, which is Aliens, nineteen eighty six. This time, wow. it's War. The King. I say this a lot. One of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've been waiting. We I watched <laughs> Alien for the first time on this show. And oh. I remember leaving Alien immediately wanting to watch the sequel. And I've been holding off for when we do it on the pod. And I looked it up. And we did that in 64, episode 64. So it's been a good chunk of episodes since we've done Alien. Damn. We are never doing Phantom Menace on this show, ever. <laughs> <laughs> never. So that's exciting. What a great way. Again, we're just killing it. Shrek 2, Spinal Tap, Aliens. It's going to be great. Mackenzie, of course, every time I've come into a classic film with this confidence, it's been like three to three and a half at best on like a very generous day. We all remember Raiders. We all remember Star Wars and New Hope. So there's a lot of suspense in the room. But hey, this stars Sigourney Weaver, which not most films do. So that's like a bed of four stars, you know? 
I think you're going to love it. Everybody also be sure to check out the 70 millimeter episode about aliens as Sigourney Weaver won the village women's month poll or whatever that was nine years ago already. So it feels. It's a great movie to be, to be sure. Great movie. And I'm just getting so angry thinking about how she could have been like the greatest action star in history after aliens. Mm -hmm. If things worked out. God, it's so good. We'll get into it. So that's us for next week. What an exciting time to be alive. Aliens. It's like Avatar, but in like a smoke factory. It's great. (laughs) Slim, 70 millimeter also drops on Mondays. Tell us about this week. What are you guys? You guys are doing the million watched club on Letterboxd for the month of January. We are. We only selected movies from that list for January. And I believe when this episode goes out, it will be... 2001 A Space Odyssey, I think, is what I have to watch tomorrow morning (laughs) when I wake up early. Um, I haven't haven't watched it since I started using Letterboxd. So I haven't watched it in in five-plus years. Um, I'm excited to rewatch. And then after that, Ex Machina, Alex Garland. Remember when you couldn't escape that movie? Everyone posting GIFs of that movie everywhere. Is that the one where Oscar Isaac Um, does a dance? So. Okay, that's right. I don't. Oh, I don't know anything yeah. else about the film other yeah. than the little dance. Oh yeah, yeah. The gift that started a career. Well, <laughs> well, I'm sure he did pretty well in that movie too. But some say. Um. Yeah, and it's been it's been pretty fun. We did like it's just, we did like giant movies that were on that list. So we're excited about the next month too. I think it'll be pretty fun. And um. Yeah, it's been a fun month. Fun coming back from vacation. And we'll see what the rest of the year brings. And you guys, of course, as we enter the road to 200, you're entering the road to 300, which is incredible. I think that's amazing. People should, again, if people like the way we talk about movies, 70 millimeter is kind of similar to our show. Less, less, there's, there's, you can see the hinges on it. (laughs) Maybe I'll say. (laughs) I think, I think our show, your show, and others in our community showed that people were like willing to have fun listening. Not, I'm not saying that there weren't fun movie podcasts out there, but I think there's just a lot of pretentiousness. We were the first. You were the first fun one I ever listened to. I, I think that there's like a, a like there's a lot of mo- a film. I guess like film bro podcasts, and at least at 70 millimeter. And I know that other shows like try to approach it from a way where like you're more accepting of people that just like like watching movies and maybe haven't seen everything because it's easy to get gate kept out of being a part of that conversation and i remember actually when mackenzie when you talked about like your episode you hadn't seen speed you know and you could see that conversation going like really south in another community or something where like someone says they haven't seen speed. You'll get 30 people like at replying, like, what have you been doing your whole life? How'd you not seen speed? So at least like we'll jovially like poke fun at each other. But I think like our combined communities show that there's like a need for like, okay, let me tell me why I should see this movie. Why should I have fun watching this movie? And then like, let's talk about it together and like normal people. Um, At least I think so. That's exactly right. I also want to plug while we're here, while we're trying to listen, I'm trying to sign off. We're getting there. We've just done too much. I also want to highlight a, I want to call out that people, not enough people in our circles are talking about litter box journal, 
which is run by mm-hmm. our friend and future guest, uh, Gemma Gracewood. Um, just a wonderful place where all of your favorite letterbox podcasters write stuff. That is fantastic. I love the physical media newsletter. Oh, shelf I really life. appreciate yeah. that shelf so life good. and the rep screening stuff has been great. Like, it's the coverage is just wonderful. And you are also at the center of the, or near the center of the letterbox show network. Mm-hmm. Right. So you guys are in the midst of award season. Yeah. The best in show podcast is happening now. It's, it runs around this time every year where Brian, Mia and Gemma um, talk about the award season every week. And then they'll interview people that are kind of like in the mix for nominations um, I think next week will be my interview with the Spider-Verse directors. They had won the year, uh, like the highest rated year in review for Letterboxd. So we had chatted with them. Um, that was like a really fun conversation. Kev, I think it's very comic book focused. So I think you'll really appreciate it. Um, and then nope. that is a show that has been happening. And occasionally we'll drop like interviews on the Letterboxd show feed. But for right now, this season, we're focused on the awards. And then once the awards season wraps up, we might have something new coming into the feed. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on at Letterboxd. The online magazine journal is great. Gemma does great work. Everyone does great work. There's just so much happening. So much happening all the time at Letterboxd. It's hard to focus. <laughs> it's all, I bet. That's all there for you. So, Slim, thank you once again. I, I want to thank, first of all, Austin Nation for hanging out with us for 100 episodes. Here's to 1,000 more if you want. Uh, for as long as you want. That's as long as we'll do it. Um, this has been one of the great joys of my life. And uh, um, thank you for hanging out. Slim, thank you. You are uh, such an inspiration to me and to us uh, for the show. And it's just so, um, it's amazing to see what you build at Letterboxd and what you've built with 70 millimeter and to, to have been inspired by that in any way is just so, um, has been life-changing for me. So thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Anytime, anytime. Congratulations to you both. Two, like going 100 episodes is legit as hell. You're doing <laughs> more than most people do creatively. Um, and I'm proud of you both for sticking with it and having fun and creating a nice community alongside this show. Um, most people can't do that. Um, so props to you both. Thanks. <laughs> Kenzo, any parting words for ADP 100 before I take us out? Oh. <laughs> you know, I feel like I should say something really pointy because that was so much beauty. Um, no. Love you, all. King <laughs> Love you all. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I can tell you it's a long night. Oh my God. Next week, we begin the road to Austin Danger Podcast 200 as we continue the road to the Lion. Oh, fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> Next week on Austin Danger Podcast, King Cameron returns as we begin the road to Austin that. Danger Podcast 200 that. and the road to John Favreau's, Ryan Coogler's, Disney's. No, fuck it. I got his name wrong. It's fucking Jenkins. God damn it. Jenkins is doing... Oh, wow. It's Barry Jenkins. It's Barry Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah. That's why Formo... That's the reason Formo was like, auteur culture is still... Formo... We're never right, going to stop it for talking ADP. about... I can't leave the call. I just don't want to leave the call. All right. Next week... We begin the road to Austin Danger Podcast 200. King Cameron returns for Aliens. 
If you haven't seen it in a while, now is your chance. Check it out in whatever format you'd like. I'm watching my 35 millimeter rip. That's your call. We're on the road to Austin Danger (laughs) podcast number 200. We're on the road to Barry Jenkins, the Lion King, colon Mufasa, colon the Lion King, a Walt Disney Pictures joint. But until then, for Slim, for Mackenzie, this is Kev. Austin Danger Podcast, peace! If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening.